Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Uh, This series is underrated, overrated. If you've been tracking with us, right? It's underrated, overrated. (coughs) And there's been a, a number of great things. We were making sure that there's a balance We're not over on one side or over on the other side of the ditch, right? So today we're going to talk about interdependence, which sounds like we're going into grade 10 social studies, but I I promise you there's going to be a flow that God wants to have for us, and I'm excited about the word that he's given us to receive today. I think he's going to put some things in place we can practically say, oh, that thought, I'm going to answer with this. That thought that's been bugging me, I want to answer with this. So we're going to go... We're going to go into it. When, what I want to suggest to you is, if you're looking at overrated or underrated, it begs comparison, right? We're going towards comparison when we do that. Meaning, this is overrated, well, compared to who? Compared to what greatness should be in whatever, right? Even today, I wasn't looking for it. Sometimes I scroll through things, and they're all godly things, but I scroll through on Facebook, right? The, the, most under, the most overrated sitcoms of the 90s. Nobody cares, but I just, <laughs> somebody does, and they have them set up. The most overrated players in whatever sport you want to be entertained by, this one's underrated, right? You may look at certain portions of your life, say, this is overrated, this is underrated, but it's always compared to what greatness is. So I want to ask you today, what makes something great? And if it, what makes something great, you, by, by association, you're going to look at what makes someone great. What are the people, who are the people that we look to, right? What do they have? They typically have something that stands out, whether it's innovation, excellence, something that goes above and beyond. When I was um, doing my, my, uh, <coughs> my paper route in northern Alberta in a small town called Whitecourt, it's about 150 kilometers northwest of Edmonton. There's some nods. Okay, great. Some Grand Prairie shout-outs. Good. All right. On the way to Grand Prairie. Close. Er than here. Good. <laughs> Geography lessons, who would have thought? This is grade 10 social. He told us it wasn't. He lied to us in church. I'm not. We're staying with, I have notes. I'm going to keep it open. Good. Um, okay, when I was doing a newspaper route, I would open up the sports section every morning and I would take out the, <laughs> the copy that my mom and dad had bought and I'd always go open the sports section first because I wanted to see how the Edmonton Oilers were doing and Wayne Gretzky because when I was old enough just to see him, it was like... Man, here's somebody who's just 150 kilometers away, he's making international news, and he's that much greater than everybody else, right? A lot of people know the story. He's got 60 records that still hold today. What is it, 24, 25 years after he retired? It was just neat to see every, every day, and I, I got to know his story. He's drafted when he's 18, right? When he's a kid, his dad builds him a hockey rink in the backyard for self-preservation so he can skate around and, and go till 10 o'clock at night. I, I knew how many assists he had every night when I looked at it. And you could see some people say, well, this guy's overrated. Yeah, but does he play defense? Yeah, but does he do this? Greatness often belies attacks from people, right? So it almost feels like maybe I should just be underrated and hide. Maybe I should just hide my greatness so I don't get attacked. But God wants greatness, and he's planted it on the inside of you, and I believe today he wants to bring it out. What makes people great? We often have people in our lives that can have one-word names, right? Uh, Pick a sport. Brady is... Thank you very much. I love that you said that. <laughs> My wife, Cora, ladies and gentlemen, this is awesome. Right? Gretzky's hockey. Messi is. 
There we go. A couple of different ones. Right? If you're a genius, you're probably like an Einstein. You just become synonymous with certain greatnesses or excellences, right? Where you say, okay, here's your name becomes synonymous. Why do I, we look to people that are great? And when I was a kid, I wanted, I love, I wanted to have, they had Pro Star cereal, Wayne Gretzky on the front of it, right? I wanted to have all that stuff. I had like a little uh, patch you could, you could iron onto your, your jacket. It had Wayne Gretzky's signature. I never got around to ironing it, but I had the patch, right? Like I, it was there. I wanted to identify with that greatness. I wanted to have that identity, right? It wasn't that I wanted to be independent, but how many of us want to be known? And not known for little things, but known for great things. Now, everybody knows, yes, he had a bunch of other people, and if you follow hockey, you know some of those. And I'd be surprised if Elon Musk, or you just say Musk, and everybody kind of knows who that is. He's the superhero now of all these different, he's like Iron Man, he's got all these different companies, flies to the moon, electric cars, and who knows what else he's doing, right? Turns Twitter into X and just has those. And maybe he's doing it all by himself, but I'm pretty sure he's got some other people with him, right? So on one side of the ditch, there's going to be this independent stream that we want to be known. But then there's this other thing with us, you can't do great things all by yourself. So how do we, how do we get to find that, that place where, God, you've designed me for great things, but I know that there's going to be other people, other people around. I'm not meant to do great things alone. You have to have balance set up for me. Anybody say amen? <clears throat> so we want to be able to match our identity with what we're looking to. Because what you look at, you will become. Right? It was a great, one of the great pleasures I've had is, is getting a chance to raise three kids. Ruben's seven. Rhea's three and a half now. And Renning the smallest. The youngest. I won't say she's smaller. She's growing taller. Right? She's a year and a half. Rhea's kind of built like me. She's like stocky right? I love it. She's gymnastic. She's athletic. And she said uh, very emphatically, well, everything she says is emphatically, but very emphatically this day, she said, when I grow up, I want to be a good mom like my mom and an artist. She was determined, right? And it was wonderful. Even this morning, she had a little apron on. She made sure her little sister had an apron on, helping her mom make something in the kitchen. It's wonderful to see how those, how we imitate and we go for is this thunder coming? This is awesome. <laughs> repent! <laughs> repent! Throw out the notes, repent! And I spat. That was so... Just take this meat and throw out the bones. Where was I repenting? Oh, we imitate, right? We imitate, and God has some wonderful things planned for us when we look unto Jesus. I'm going to slow down in case all these weren't. Is it better if I go with a handheld? Are we okay? We're doing all right? Good. Over here. Okay. <laughs> I do. Well, we'll stay on track. So really, the Bible says we imitate only two people. There's, it's outside. Okay. I, we're all repented. Do we want to do the salvation call at the start? <laughs> we should plan that at the end. Really short, Paul did it on the road to Damascus. He just said, Lord, everybody just do that now under your breath. That's why, Lord, and then we're going to continue on. You're born again. Please see Pat McDonald at the back for some pamphlets. It'll be awesome. Be good. Not to minimize it, we're going to move on today. Good. So there is a great, um, yeah, there's two men you can identify with, and there's only two. There's the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam, of course, right? We know the Bible story. 
was made in the image of God and made in his likeness and was perfect enough to walk with God and not be burnt up by the glory of God. He's, there's no sin in him. But he rebelled against the one rule, we know this, and because of that fault, sin came into the world, and through that sin, death. That's the tic-tac-toe. There's the first Adam, and then there's the second Adam. Do I get a third choice? No, it's those two. Sorry, not the second Adam, the last Adam is Jesus. So the last Adam is who God said, look, you are made in the image and likeness of the first Adam, and because of that That Adam, sin came into the world, and you were born in the sin. Your very nature is sinful. You don't sin just because you think it's a good idea. You sin because it's your nature. Until you meet Jesus, it's like you don't have a choice. And that seems unfair. Well, I wasn't born thousands of years ago. I didn't take a fruit. Like, why is that that on me now? Until we reach the age of accountability... And we've actually had that for ourselves saying, oh, I messed up. There's your nature that has to be changed. And the Bible says, look, the same rules or the same principles that allowed for sin to come on all people allows righteousness to come on you in Christ Jesus. So we have two choices to look to for greatness. And, and there's going to be some guide rails we're going to look at. I'm only going to show you one scripture, and it's this one. And I need to give you that preface before we go into it. For if by one man's offense, and who's that one man? The first Adam. Death reigned through the one, right? I could have really used the the ominous stuff in the background right now. It would have been better suited if I'd just gone forward. But, But God, right? Much more those who receive abundance of grace. Everybody say abundance. And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. We want to talk about interdependence. Meaning there's a balance between being independent all by yourself, right? Only the lonely. You're only, you're not going to go that way. I do it my way. All these songs that talk about the great, exalted, independent, lone ranger by himself, right? You're, you're, you're not destined to walk by yourself. And then over on this other side might be what you could say is codependency, right? Where you're leaning on someone else rather than finding your own identity. You sneak it under the guise of something else. Even what God has ordained through church. Church can be a place where you lose yourself in the greater work, but that's not God's design. God's design is for each of us to have this balance between, once you receive these two things, it helps you to walk circumspectly redeeming the time, the Bible says. You redeem, you don't waste time being independent and trying to forge your own path or losing yourself being within relationships. As great as they are, we're designed for relationships. Relationships should be the thing that we celebrate and exalt God in and look towards, but he's not designed that for you to be lost in. He wants you to have your identity in the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. What makes Christianity different than any other doctrine or way of looking and being and doing is it's not something that you do, it's who you are and what what you're receiving. You receive your identity. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, I think it's um, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 <coughs> says, He who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And I, Isaiah 64, 6, it says, Your own righteousness is as filthy rags, right? And look it up, and those are filthy rags. He's not messing around with how separate 
He wants you to understand how different our own righteousness is. We can't come to him on our own righteousness. It doesn't work, right? The, the Ten Commandments were set up, and they're good. In and of themselves, they have a purpose. They're righteous and they're holy. But it says if you've broken one of them, even in your thought, not just in deed, but even in how you think, you're guilty of breaking all the commandments. And the gift in that is for us to go, I have a need of a Savior. Once you've done that, you're, you have a new nature, and you're now a prisoner of hope. You're not independent anymore. Your righteousness comes from Jesus. And what do I mean by righteousness? Your way of doing and being, right? Your right standing with God is now a gift that you receive. So when I'm, when I'm under condemnation, when condemnation comes knocking at the door, when it says, hey, Chris, you screwed up again, right? You talked harshly to your kids. Really? You think you want to talk that way to your wife? Do you got to honk to these people? who are going behind you, maybe I didn't lie, but maybe I just didn't, I said enough for make them think something that they wanted to think anyway, and that's fine. It's not fine, but I can go, no, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That condemnation can't come on me. That condemnation doesn't belong to me, and it doesn't belong to you as a believer. God wants you to have these guide rails today. Listen, if, if you're starting to get to be someone who thinks, <coughs> who thinks I'm not worthy, God says, no, 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 I've made you worthy. I've made, you, I've made you as worthy as Jesus. You're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. We take the time to just, this is the part where I'm going to slow down for those who've been having a tough time tracking because I tend to talk fast. God wants you to know you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And as he is, so are you in this world. Not as he was. It would be enough to go, God, if, if I were the Jesus by the Sea of Galilee that could perform miracles and have wisdom come out of my mouth, but that isn't the Jesus that you are made in the image of. It's as he is right now, fully glorified beside God. I could look at me, and you could look at me, and we could look at each other and go, not as glorified as I would have thought. But we live inside out lives. If you could see me on the inside, I look just like Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, I'm going to receive a glorified body, and it's going to be a lot different. But until then, what I get to do is I get to say, no, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even, though when, even when I sin, that's not my nature. Even if I'm distracted by things and I procrastinate, I get to go, you know what? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's lots of testimonies that I've read where people who are addicted from things like alcohol to porn to you know, relationships or whatever, they just start saying in the midst of the sin, which is the last place you want to confess this, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And whatever it is just breaks off of you. The enemy cannot resist the truth. When you resist the enemy, he has to flee from that truth. Amen? So in this scripture, we want to look at, okay, it's the gift of righteousness. You, he, I believe God wants us to focus today and to make sure we don't get over in this, that I'm worthless and woe is me. He hasn't made you like that. He needs you to stand beside him to receive and be a conduit. Now, how do I do that? I do that so that I say, look, I have the gift of, I, have, I receive the abundance of grace, right? If my ego is getting me too big, I need to say, look, I have abundance. Maybe if I, I have a, a tendency towards lack in my mind, I look at my bank and go, and go, well, this is not the glorious abundance you've provided. Or I look at the relationships and go, like, look, I might have messed these up. Or I even look at myself and go, gee, I, I wish I would have, have made those mistakes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can lay awake and go, like, I, like memories pop in my head of bad things that I did. And I go, I haven't thought about that in years, but it's as if I'm right there. I go, no, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, and I have an abundance of grace. God. God has given each of us abundance somewhere. 
His design is for us to recognize abundance that he's put in your life somewhere. Be ye thankful, for this is the will of God for you. He wants to train us to look at the areas where there's abundance. You may think, ah, oh, I wish there was abundant more places. If you live in this country, good chance you're in the hot, you're top 5% easily of people on the planet. Even if you just got here. And, and, and this is a place that's full of abundance. Maybe you just have, all you have is time. Have that time to go pray for somebody. Phone somebody up. Yeah, go, go find someone to give out of your abundance. Maybe you just get to pray and say, God, I'm going to take the time that I have. Maybe all I have is time. I'm going to pray about my destiny and walk in it because God has given me abundance somewhere. Jesus has been made unto us wisdom and redemption and sanctification. He's designed for us to look around us and go, no, no, I'm going to give this thing that's out of my abundance. There was the loaves and the fishes. Everybody remember that story? Important enough for God to have mentioned it in all four of the Gospels. Other than the resurrection, it's the only miracle that shows up four times. So there's something in it he wants us to learn. And I believe it's this. Whatever you have, if you give it over, he will multiply it. And provide for needs, not just for us. The abundance of grace is not for me. The righteousness I need to understand. But the abundance of grace, the abundance of grace is for other people. Yes, I want to, be, I want to have him um, come, his grace come to me so it can flow through me. Because he wants it to be at his level. The unmerited favor of God. He wants the people to look at your good works and give glory to God our Father in heaven. Amen? So this, this is really what I came to share with you. I came to share with you those two guardrails that you're surplus. I'm going to talk a little bit about righteousness so that we don't, as God is. Oh, Matthew, I love this. Matthew 6.33, right? Where he says, see, this is not going to be up there. You're just going to see Romans 5.17. There's one scripture. The other ones you can write down or go to YouTube and hit rewind or remember it's roughly at uh, 17 minutes in. Okay, so <coughs> there's Matthew 6.33. He lists all the things like, don't worry about this. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers. Like the, you know, Solomon and all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of those. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I got some real problems. <laughs> it sounds like he's like, just look at the birds. Don't worry, be happy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, I have supply for you if you stop worrying and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, in my earlier years, I would say his righteousness, like, okay, God, I'm getting ready, right? Like, as if, <laughs> as if I'm on the, I don't know, the 10-yard line, I'm, down, I'm ready for seeking his righteousness. I'm going to go get it, right? I'm, I'm going to go after this. But it's something you receive. If I seek God, your righteousness is here in this situation. Wherever it is, your supply is going to match that. He wants to match his righteousness to the supply he wants to provide for you. So if I seek first his kingdom, his way of doing and being, and his righteousness, now I'm married to the supply, whatever it is. And I don't have to worry because God's in that situation saying to us right now, today, I have wonderful things planned for you. I have things specifically for you that I want you to walk in. I want you to understand. I want you to be an overcomer in your situation. Just seek where I am in the situation that you're at. You know, without getting into too many, too many, de many details, it won't surprise you that I'll talk about my kids because it's just so great on my heart. But I was thinking today, you know, there was a time when we were at least minus two in the kids' categories. Not all the, the pregnancies that uh, my wife had were, suc were successful for us. But God has provided us, if, if, 
if he could have told me in that situation, look, you're going to mourn, this is not a joyful time, but God has Reuben and Rhea and Renning plan for you. There is a good plan that I have for you. Whatever situation you're in, I, can, I mentioned that as a perhaps, um, not graphic example, but it's an extreme example in my life of the lowest place that I was at. And now I have a house full and I can just say, God, you have made me a wealthy, whole man. You have taken what, what was at my low point and you've brought me up to a, a mighty place. And I just, that experience helps me translate into other areas. Oh, this seems like it's not working out. Oh, just wait. God is on my side. He's bringing me up to a high place. And what do I need to do? Be still and know that he's God. When you're still, you're going to know he's God. Because the enemy wants to bring you over here. Like, if you're not right, what are you doing right? Aren't you doing the right thing? You should be doing right stuff, Scott. If you're not doing the right stuff, you should look around and find somebody who's doing the right stuff and start copying them. Because if you don't get your stuff right together pretty quick, things are going to go bad for you. And now that you're messed up because you're wasting time not doing the right stuff. But see, no, that's not the right. (laughs) Maybe just I have those thoughts, right? God has for you his righteousness where he wants to say, you know, I'm going to redeem this time. Just walk with me. Just let me do it. Let me do it. Give it to him. Cast your cares over to him, and he will take care of it. And in due time, you will be exalted. The key to this interdependence that we could look for, right? It's not overrated or or underrated. This independence, he wants you to understand who you are He doesn't want you codependent where you're looking to other people for what your purpose is and your identity. And he wants you to see, not only can you fight condemnation, but your surplus is for supply. There's a word that came to me today. I I just had your surplus. Whatever it is that you can see as surplus, the more you see in your life as, I do have a surplus of this. He's going to continue to multiply that. He's going to continue to multiply what you see as surplus. It may be $2 that you give to somebody. If you see your life in abundance, he's going to match that for you. Amen? I just want to bring up one more scripture. Again, you're not going to see it on the screen. It's Ephesians 4, 5 to 16. You say, okay, well, how does this all fit together? What's, what's the purpose he has for us? He's put the church that he died for on the earth as the greatest institution ever created. It's meant to be a blessing to the whole world from now till eternity. It's the only one that will supersede time. You're always going to have a church, and it's called um, the Ecclesia. And the Ecclesia isn't just a building. It was meant to be the called out ones, where you had, uh, and the Romans also had Ecclesia. They were different because they conquered not by just wiping out everybody that was there. Caesar took a group of people, like Pontius Pilate, for example, in the day and time of Jesus, he had, a, he had a ring of people that say, you're going to be my governors. I want to tell you about the Roman life and what you need to do in each of those areas. And they would bring Roman lifestyle to that area. So when Jesus says, on my church, it wasn't the only church. It wasn't the only ecclesia. He wasn't the only one with a group of sent ones. But his sent ones would be the one that would last forever. You are the sent ones where we get to come together to be together And in Ephesians 4, uh, 15 to 16, it says, you're fitly joined together as the body of Christ. Just like a body is fitly joined together, there's joints, and each part supplies. So you're designed to be part of the body. Therefore, you will have surplus in some area that you will supply. Whatever it is you're called to, you will 
you have to have surplus in some area in order to supply it. It could be a surplus of wisdom. It could be a surplus of love, right? Surplus of the right words to say at the right time. Maybe you see somebody and God puts it on your heart to go give them a hug, right? Those things, you, we don't know the effect that we have on other people or what we're called to. Let's start to look at each other and say, God, you have given me surplus somewhere. Where is it that I can apply this to the people that you have around me? Amen? Let me encourage you today. I want to move to being, I want to be more a supplying part, right? I want the, the body of Christ to grow. And I want to be somebody that says, God, here I am, use me. Whatever area you put on my heart, help me to grow in that so I can be, have a supply. And put a dream in my heart that I couldn't do on my own. Because you've put me in right standing with you. And you've said to me, Chris, I want you to do things. I want you to say things to people. I want you to believe that when you share with people, the kingdom of God is here. Wherever two or more are, are in, there in my name, there am I in the midst. I believe in what you said. God is here in our midst. He's here, he's here for us. He's here with us. But it's not just for here. And that's something I really, I really am endeavoring to learn more and more is that even when I'm not in church or I'm not in my room praying or I'm not in my, my house full of believers that know me really well, <laughs> that I can be in places and God's with me. And he'll give me wisdom for what to say at the right time and how to reach other people. And let me grow, let me grow in your grace, Lord. Let me grow in the understanding of the gift of righteousness that you've provided for me. It says in uh, Hebrews 5.13 that those who are skilled in righteousness who will come of age. Those are the ones that move from the milk of the word, it says. Like, you know how babies have milk is the analogy it has in that chapter. And it moves to the meat, the substance of it. So it's not my own doing that shows that I'm mature. It's me looking to say, Lord, your righteousness. And the more and more that I can look to him and his righteousness, then I'm going to grow up into the things of God. That's my prayer for you. I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your goodness towards us. Help us to grow in the wisdom of receiving your righteousness, your goodness, Lord. We call those things that be not as though they were. We call forth your goodness and wisdom in our hearts that you would continue to show yourself strong on our behalf. I pray that each person here grow in their dreaming toward you grow in their dreaming, receiving it, practical steps, that we would understand how to grow in our application of supply that you've given us. Help us to see the world, ourselves, the way that you see us. Help us to, to be interdependent and to walk as you would have us to walk because of your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.